0: All right, we are continuing our series called The Struggle is Real. Hasn't it been good so far? God has really done great things. Alan and, and Justin did a really, really fantastic job last week and, and really gave a, a solid word. And um, And I'm real excited about this week because if there's one area that I believe that a majority of us can touch and say, yes, I have struggled or I am struggling in, it's in the area of finances. And I believe that God wants to set us free and transform our lives in this particular area. About seven or eight weeks ago, um, while I was sitting in my office, um, I welled up with tears at something I was watching uh, online, and uh, and God told me Springhouse is going to be a church full of hilarious generosity. Hilarious generosity. I want us to be a church that we give so much that it's laughable to the community, to others. uh, I wanna do that, but guess where it starts? It starts at home. It starts with you. And I want you to really lock into this word today because I believe that God really has something for every single person. And it would be the lie of the enemy to say, oh, I don't need this. Every one of us needs this now, I've said this before, but what God, how God does me is I have to walk through things before I bring a word to the stage and, uh, and, and have to draw some from that experience or whatnot. We have somebody in the church who has uh, experienced financial freedom in a big way, has some authority on this topic, and I'm excited that he's going to share with us today. Would you please welcome Elder Mario Galeone?
1: Thank you, Pastor Kevin. I need my... I need my stand like Justin. I love Justin. He's, he's my idol. I want to grow up to be like him someday. No, no idol. Sorry. Uh, let's just go ahead and get right into the word, shall we? I don't know if I'll be able to read it from up here there. Maybe I can read it back here. We'll see. It's the struggle is real to get it up. I think it's coming. I see something. Here we go. Okay, what? I was go back. Okay, here we go. Don't store up treasures on earth where moths. You guys are gonna have to read it. It's hard for me to see it from here. Good. It's much better when you do it. Okay, but we, there's more. Let's take a look here. he heard this he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus and
0: said
1: how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed it is easier
0: for a camel to go through the eye of the needle.
1: Father, thank you that nothing is impossible with you. Thank you that your word is real and alive and active, and it's here for us today to have access to. Holy Spirit, uh, prompt our hearts today to remember that you filled us with your treasures in many, many ways, not just for us, Lord, but for the glory of your name and to advance your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, uh, I don't know about you, but the last year or so has been really kind of weird. Uh, it's kind of felt like, uh, you know, one year wrapped up into many years, like dog years or something, right? Uh, <laughs> it really has, but I'm determined uh, that I don't, you know, through all of this, it feels like I've, I've really aged, um, and it's maybe because I'm 60 now, but I've determined that I'm not thinking, yeah, it's good, I'm 60 now. <laughs> I've determined that I'm not going to get old, I'm going to grow old, right? I want to grow old. I want to keep learning. I want to keep getting better. I just don't want to get old because old is old. Um, maybe it's because i got grandkids now. I think i got one of them here. There she is. Say hi, McKenna. Hi, McKenna. i got two baby girls now, which is so cool. Seeing my kids raise their kids kind of takes me back to when... Melanie and I had raised our kids over the decades. Um, It's just kind of weird, but it's good. It's a good weird. Earlier this summer, um, I was having a conversation with the brother, and I can't remember the context uh, that it was. I guess it wasn't really important, or I wouldn't have forgot it. But anyway, he said, I know you're the money guy in the conversation, and then we just went on, and we had a good conversation, and that was cool, and but it kind of, I thought about it afterwards. And then a couple of weeks later, Pastor Barbie sends me an email. Pastor Kevin wants you to speak on finances this later this summer. And I thought, okay, well, uh, Justin talked about, was it typecast or stereotypes last week? And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I might be typecast or stereotyped as the money guy. Uh, maybe it's, okay, it makes sense though, because for, I've been here a while since the middle 90s and you know, I have taught uh, a lot on finances. I'm on the administrative board that handles the finances of the church. I'm an elder. I do financial counseling. I'm in the business world for my vocation, my vocational calling. And so I guess it would be easy to have that perception, right? Um, but you know when you get something in your head and you just start having those crazy thoughts. Um, I had an old boss uh, when I first came to Nashville um, when it took over the division I was in, and we were losing money, and he came in, and one of the first things he said was, all you people are overworked, you're overpaid, and you're underworked. And I thought, well, wow, that's, that's, this is going to be, this is going to be fun. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, in private, he was the exact opposite. He was the kind who would kind of beat you up in public, but then in private put his arm around you and tell you that it was okay and encourage you. Um, So I took that as a personal challenge over the years, uh, you know, to 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 over to overcome that perception. Uh, but I'm going to be really honest. I mean, again, what your mind comes into your mind after something gets in there, I'm the money guy. So, what is what does that mean? Do people think that's all I think about is money? Um, it, you know, or maybe it's Money's not a problem for you, so you can't really relate to me anymore. I mean, that, that came in my spirit. But again, it was what I was thinking. And then I had the crazy thought, do people think like I'm Zacchaeus because I'm vertically challenged? And I'm walking around with a, with a money bag over my back. Um, at least if you're going to stereotype me, church, can you, can you go more like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky? Okay, come on, I'm Italian, right? Okay. Justin and the guys aren't the only ones that have been working out, even if it's my bitmoji that I'm working out. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's right. Forget about it. What? Um, if you only knew me before I came to the Lord, I didn't come to the Lord until I was about 30 years old. Uh, I guess all these testimonies and you know the struggle is real, all that uh, over the summer has been really speaking to me and and I was a wreck before I, before I came to the Lord at the ripe old age of 30. Um, that's, if you want to talk about typecast, that was, that was really me. Um, I don't think it was Sylvester Stallone. I think it was more like Al Pacino. Um, I hadn't seen this picture ever. This got sent to me a couple of weeks ago from my brother. Uh, And uh, my wife sent it out to to the family, and my son said, Dad, I've seen that look a time or two over the years. Um, All right, I I will not confirm or deny that there might have been an offer or two you can't refuse back then. Okay? Um, Yes, I'm Italian. I'm from Chicago. um, But we'll just leave it at that. Um, Again, I'm not going to give you my whole testimony. I didn't come to the Lord until I was 30. Um, I was a very good Priester Catholic. That means I went to church on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> that was about the extent of it. I was living the life of a full-fledged, a full-fledged prodigal before I even knew what a prodigal was. I knew there was a father and a son and a Holy Spirit. Um, I believed in God, but I certainly didn't have a relationship with him, so I certainly didn't listen to anything that he had to say. Um, you know, I chased all the wrong things. I had a bunch of failed relationships. I hurt people. Um, people hurt me. Um, right, all the, wrong, all the wrong things, sex, drugs, rock and roll, really nice cars, really nice suits. Um, I had a brother, John, who was in the rag business. That's what they called it back then, the rag business. And it was always really, really nice stuff. And then I was in shoes. So we were like the dynamic duo, right, of the family. And we created this persona that I had, that, that look, but behind that look was, was a mess. Uh, not just money and financial issues, but just all kinds of inner turmoil and emptiness from the way I was living. I was driven to be successful though in the business world, even if it was only for people's perceptions of me. Um, I had 10 years of work in, in, in retail in Chicago before I got to come to Nashville in 1987. Uh, to be promoted into our office, and so, man, I really thought I had it going on then, but inside, I was still that mess. Um, around 1990, after, um, you know, living in the pig slop of my life for all those years, it wasn't one of those, um, you know, real scriptural or, or spiritual prayers. It was more like crocodile, crocodile tears, uh, prayer that I cried out one night in my bed of just, you know, why God can't I have a good relationship. Why am I such a mess? I mean, look how good I look in that suit. Uh, And then along came Melanie. And uh, Melanie would tell you that she was going through some of her own stuff coming out of the the music business and and searching herself. But, um, you know, we got married in 1991, 30 years this November. So thank you for uh, putting up with me, honey for 30 years, um, but uh, what started happening is I started going through this inner struggle about what I really believed. I would go to the Catholic Church here in Smyrna, I can't remember what it's called, if it's even still here, in the morning, because Melanie was still singing, and then we would go to Bethel Chapel at, on, on Sunday nights, because I started searching about what was going on, and very simply... I came to a place where I was working in my yard, I was dethatching my front lawn, pulling up all that junk, you know, all the dead grass that you do so your, so your lawn can get better, and I just had an experience with the Lord right there, and he just said, that's what I've been doing to your life. I've been, I've been slowly and surely pulling all that stuff out. I went to a prayer meeting uh, at Bethel with my, with my brother-in-law, and, you know, the Holy Spirit just had me a wreck, and I knew that I needed to say something, and I know that that's the day that I gave my life to the Lord. I became passionate uh, about getting my life in order, especially in the area of finances. Um, I started, we started financial peace in 1992 before it was still a junior college then, before it became a university. Um, You know, it was with overhead projectors and transparencies and all that stuff. And, We've walked that out uh, for many, many years. I remember saying to Melanie, because I had a lot of mess, and I had a lot of debt, and it really was difficult for her, but I just said, it's not how you start, honey, but it's how you finish. She taught me the finer things of shopping at Target and Walmart, <laughs> because she would say, if you, don't, if you can't get it at Walmart, you probably don't need it, uh, <laughs> right? Um, I was used to all those designer suits, and. I'll, you, you, get, you get the picture. Uh, so it was very very humbling, but very, very important. Um, we came to Smyrna Assembly back then, I think in around 94 or early 95. Um, I had just been promoted from that suits division to the division that I'm with now, and I was really struggling with it, because it's like, you know, I thought you know, business-wise and career-wise, I really had it going on. It really, things were starting to fall into place. Um, But, you know, in in God's providence, he knew I I needed to move. And and I was praying about why he he moved me. And he gave me this word that through your work, I want to turn generation X to generation cross. Now, let me give you a little bit of perspective. You want to talk about perceptions and labels. Um, Generation Xers, which technically is what I am when I was born in 1961. Some say it's 64, but just go with me. I'm, I'm an Xer. We are the kids of baby boomers. Um, we're also known as the latchkey generation, the lost and aimless generation, right? How, how do you like that to be the label that you have, right? Now, I didn't realize that that's what I was then, but later on, I, I, I really did. And, and to give me confirmation in God's providence, he gave me a brother at work who I can confide in, and we were watching some video of public service announcements that we were getting to run on our in-store TV. And this one we played things like the crash test dummies and you know when you your your brain on drugs when they would put the uh, egg in the fry you know in the frying thing and stop smoking and all that. Well, this month's public service announcement was for the Red Cross and it basically starts out taking generation X and how they're calling generation X to come and serve And the way the spot finishes, it's the Red Cross X. Or it it was an X. It started out as an X, but it was really the cross logo from Red Cross. And it was spinning and spinning and spinning. And it stops and it says, turn Generation X to Generation Cross. Now, how about that for a confirmation? I mean, a literal confirmation. Um, Like I said, I didn't realize I was a Generation -er, Xer when the Lord gave me that word. I didn't look at it that way, but... When I thought back, my mom started going to work when we were me and my brothers were all, in, were all school age. She would work that four to midnight shift, and then dad didn't come home till between six or seven. Can you imagine what five boys without mom and dad around, what kind of mischief five of us could get into for two or three hours? Boy, did we. Many a mischief. Uh, man, one time, I remember we started a fire. Anyway. Um, LAUGHTER yeah, fire department and everything. Uh, not the house, but we started a fire. I'll just leave it there. Um, many, many blessings and growth over this almost 30 years, like I said. Um, it, what's funny is I don't wear suits very often. I, I don't mind putting on a, a, a suit for a special occasion. We're going to go to a wedding next, next weekend. So um, I'll get to put a suit on. Uh, you know what? For the longest time, I mean, kind, God kind of let, you know, cars. I really liked cars a lot. Um, now my cars are classic, and experienced, and well-kept, and paid for. The best kind of car to ever have, right? There you go, all right? They're a money trap. Don't, don't, just don't let anybody fool you. They're a money trap. Um, I, I, I do hope that over the years, whenever I've spoken up here or in a classroom, that I've, I've always tried to tie finan- financial discussions in teachings of, you know, rooted and grounded in God's word. Um, like, like our scripture said, if we're going to give an account for our lives one day, uh, I, I don't really know how it's going to go before we stand before the Lord, but if we're supposed to store treasures in heaven, then maybe we're going to have a little discussion about what we did with the treasures that he entrusted us with, right? Okay, what we did with our lives, what we did with the resources that he entrusted us with. Um, did we manage them? Or, and steward them the way the Lord wanted us to, or did we just kind of squander them away uh, on ourselves? Um, the, the basic fundamentals of handling God's finances and resources are simple, and I've taught on them over the years, and I'll give you just a quick highlight. You know, giving and generosity at the beginning, that's where it all starts. It's the engine that makes the whole thing work. Um, God wants us to be givers, not just tithers, but to give offerings as well. If we're supposed to have a plan for our lives, then maybe we should live with a plan, okay? Or a nicer way of saying live with a budget, all right? Pretty simple, but it's extremely important that we we do that part if we want. We need to tell our money where it should go and what it should do. Getting and staying out of debt. Um, I don't, I don't even need to go there. You know, you know what that's about. Um, thank God we just got to celebrate last week. Pastor Ronnie and brother Hal came up and talked about how the church is debt free. It's the grass is greener when you're debt free. It feels different. I just don't, you know what? It, It just is. I think one of the other things that we don't talk enough about that it's okay. I heard, um, Sister Angie Bashirs talked about this morning about savings. We should save. We're supposed to save, not just for our household, but for God's kingdom. Uh, we need to be in a place to be able to bless, and that comes on saving. And then we also need to live on less, okay? We're, we we got so many pulls uh, for us to spend the resource that we're entrusted with, but living below our means is extremely important. And then finally, just being content, you know, The scripture says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And when we have a content heart, we're not always striving for that next thing. Handling God's money, there's all kinds of analogies, but it's really a marathon and not a sprint. It's a day in, day out, lifelong thing. Um, Remember, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. At the marathon, don't you always see the jackrabbits start out, right, to try to get the spotlight? They're not the ones who win the race. It's the ones who were kind of in the middle of the pack and paced themselves and did and just understood that this is a, this is a long race and you got to stick with it. So um, the world's way of handling finances will keep you tight-fisted. You'll be aimless and lost. You'll be bound up in debt. You will be spending more than you make. You will not be satisfied and content. And you will always be envious of others. Um, a life filled with these kind of narratives is really no life at all. I mean, if you think about it now, what we're bombarded with in media, that the only way you can live is on credit cards and to take out a loan for everything that you do. Um, I mean, John Cena is not going to bust through this door right here and tell you that it's all about your credit score. Okay, but that's what we're... He's, is, Alan, is he an actual wrestler or is he a fake wrestler? He's an actual wrestler. Okay, well, maybe he's an actual wrestler. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff we're listening to, right? And, 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 and we're buying into it. Or maybe some old washed-up TV personality, the one that gets me the most is Tom Selleck. You know, he's the police commissioner. He shouldn't be doing stupid stuff like that by now. He doesn't have to worry about borrowing against his house, right? Um, but, but he's on TV now trying to say... You know, you can borrow against your paid for asset in your retirement. Well, he's not doing that. Um, That's not really very smart. I think really the bigger issue about all this stuff, because if you do these things, you know, God's word is true. They won't. It won't return void. You can have success if you do this. But the bigger issue is really where's our heart? Because if our heart's not right about things like money, then it won't matter what we do on this topic, or any other topic that may, that we need wisdom or help on, um, if we go back to the scripture, the question the ruler asked Jesus was, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Now, our first thought should be, "Can we inherit, inherit eternal life?" It should really be the question, right? Can, in your will, can you pass on your eternal life, like your personal salvation? You can't. It's not a possession or a property or your money or even great-grandma's china. Um, You can't earn or deserve your eternal life, can you? Eternal life is a free gift. It's purchased by the blood of Christ on the cross, or it is by grace that we are saved through faith and not by our works. Now, Jesus' response to the ruler was interesting. Um, he, he he rattled off all the, you know, Jesus said all the different things that he needed to do to have eternal life. Um, and the ruler's heart, though, was really not in the right place because, you know, Jesus said, it's, you know, don't commit adultery, you know, don't bear false witness, all those things. But if you noticed, he didn't mention... The greater commandments. He didn't say anything about not having false idols or or false gods. He didn't say anything about loving God or loving others. I think he was probably kind of setting them up because I would say that that ruler, who was, by the way, a a man of authority and position, right? He wasn't just wealthy, but he had had a position, he had status, he had a title. Um, And I would say that based on his response, because he went away downcast, those things, that status, that position, that wealth probably became his God. And Jesus knew that. Um, the Message Bible says it this way that, about the ruler. This was the last thing the official expected to hear as he was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding tight. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. And the Amplified version adds that who places his faith in wealth or status. The scripture also doesn't tell us what happened to the ruler. We don't know what happened to him. He went away sad. He went away downcast. So the question for us really is what defines us? What's in our heart if we peel back the layers of of our lives? Does our position and our status and our wealth and our title or really the lack of those things, because that can be just as much of an issue for us as someone who has all those. That's a struggle just as well, too. So that can be something that we deal with as well. Does this, is this what has the grip on us? And is that what our motivation is on how we measure ourselves, not only to other people, but in, to God's kingdom? Um, I think that it was clear that for that ruler, those things had become his identity and, and perhaps even worse, his God. And uh, Jeremy read this uh, earlier out of First Timothy 6, uh, 17 and 18. In the New Living Translation, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need and always being ready to share with others. It's really easy for us to get caught up in today's paradigm about status and perceptions that we have either about ourselves or even worse, the perceptions that we think people have about us. Um, You know, uh, I find anyway that when, you, when I meet somebody new, invariably what can start to happen is, you know, I go to where do you come from? You know, having parents who were Italian immigrants, um, where you came from was important. Oh, yeah, you're from Bari, Trigiano, Bari, Italy. And, you know, when you met somebody who was from where they were, you're paisans, right? Because you're from the same, you're from from the same town. And then after you get past that superficial stuff, of where you're from, and then you start going in, well, what do you do for a living? What, what, you know, what's, your, what's your job? Um, and, and, and guys especially do that. And then, have you ever been in a conversation where you think the person that you're having that conversation with is just one-upping you? Like, you've talked about where you're from and what you do and all your accomplishments, and yeah, but, you get the yeah, but, and I've done this and I've done that. And let's be honest, we, we all do that. Um, it, it's an easy thing to get caught up in. Um, you know, it's also easy for us as people to look at others. We, we talked about, you know, being content. If I could just be like so-and-so, or if I could just have a certain amount of money, or if we could just live over here. I remember Melanie and I would go into the first neighborhood we lived in, and we would walk across the street pushing Maria in the buggy, and the houses were seem to be mansions, but not much bigger than what we had back then, right? And it was just, whoa, if we could have a house like that one day. None of that is really wrong, but if we're not careful, we let, again, all those things around us, we get caught up in that paradigm, and and it it takes us to a place where we really don't want to go. You want to talk about perceptions. So for the longest time being in the shoe business, I was embarrassed about what I did. I mean, I sold shoes. Come on. I mean... How, gl- how glamorous is that right uh, it wasn't glamorous like that picture was but uh, you know but but you know uh, that, that it is what it is what it, it is what it is and but I would try to use humor as I, as I do a lot to you know to offload that feeling so I would say you know being in the shoe business is great it fulfills my soul mm. I always feel like a heel when I tell that joke but it always works uh, can I suggest to us that our issues are not really about money? I mean, yeah, I know we have issues. Yes, the struggle is real. We, ha- we have issues with money. Um, but it's really about those perceptions. It's really about the false narrative that we allow about what people think about us or about what we think about ourselves. Um, it really was real for me uh, in that area um, very, very early on. Um, I remember uh, Pastor Ronnie... Uh, in the early 2000s, given me a book. And by the way, I have them here. It's called Kings and Priests. And there's a free copy on either end for those while supplies last. Um, but um, it really spoke to me about it's okay to, to be a, a king or a warrior for God's kingdom um, and really set me free in that area. It's a simple, you know, you could probably read it in a 30-minute old-school read, Recently, I found a new school uh, on the Bible app, um, and I've read this probably 15 or 20 times now. Uh, the Catalyst Leader, and it really piggybacked on a lot of the things that I had learned in the King, Kings and Priests book. And it, basically, the premise of both these uh, writings are that we have a spiritual calling and we have a vocational calling. Our spiritual calling is obviously our salvation our vocational calling or our anointing, uh, warrior anointing, kingly anointing, queenly anointing, whatever, whatever you want to call it, for what we do, right? Um, it's two sides of the same coin. They're separate callings and anointings, but they're inseparable. The, the, the first one, your spiritual call, calling, defines how you're going to live out your vocational calling. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, obviously, you can have a vocation of being in the priesthood, being a pastor or, or, or working full time in ministry. Um, but most people are called to the marketplace. Most people are out there you know in the business world, in in various jobs, in uh, vocations. Um, and, and the ratio is pretty significant.' It's, it's almost thirty to one of those who are called to have a vocation outside the church compared to the one that has the vocation in the church. Now, again, they're they're separate callings, but they're inseparable, inseparable, okay? I believe that once we realize that we are called to be in the marketplace just as much as Pastor Kevin or Pastor Barbie's called to be in the ministry, um, and we both have our salvation calling, our spiritual calling, when we put those two together, we become you know, dynamos for the kingdom of, of, of God. Um, the struggle is real um, in the area of, of finance. I just love my alter ego in my bitmojis. Um, it's, anyway, um, I have fun with it. Um, it's a lot less, yeah, anyway. Um, but notice that I said that it is an anointing and a calling and didn't use the word talent. There's plenty of misguided people out there who focus on their talent, and it's more of a me generation, or it's more of a me, look what I've done. Um, But to me, when we focus on talent, uh, it can can get us misplaced. Um, The struggle is real over the area of finance, and I can go back to those pillars and help you walk through any of them, and they will work, right? But you got to stick with that for a long period of time, and if it's not with the right heart, it isn't going to last. Um, Justin was talking about this last week, I believe, and said that um, you know when we war against the spiritual forces in our lives we need that two-on-one to our advantage, right? We need the Holy Spirit. We need our surrendered will to the Lord to fight against the things that our flesh wants us to do. And if we get that out of whack, we don't see the Lord in the area of finance. We don't see the Lord as our provider and our definer of, of ourselves, and we get stuck on those perceptions. So what I would ask you is, what word has God given you for your life that maybe you've been sitting on for some time it's it's been about 25 years for me and quite honestly since god gave me that word about generation x to generation cross that i'm just now seeing it come to fruition um i know what i tried to do in the early days with thumping people over the head with my bible that didn't work um you know i tried various things but i was so limiting god on what that word meant and really as i've come to realize He was really speaking that word to me and and to me first. And first and foremost, I have to have that right in in my life. And a few years ago when I was praying about uh, stepping into the current role that I'm at at work, I remember praying and talking to Pastor Ronnie and he said, Mario, just remember God doesn't call the equipped, but he rather he equips the called. King David was anointed to be the king, but he went and he was a shepherd again, until God called him to the next phase. And then he, was a, then he made King Saul feel good when he was, when he was tormented and, 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 and played music for him. And, and it was a process, and it was a, a progression. If the worship team wants to come out, um, I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to close. Uh, and for those who are going to pray for folks, um, you can make your way up when, whenever you're ready. Um, Anybody in this room or or watching online um, who needs a rebirth from what God's already gave you for your vocational calling, Um, you know where you're supposed to be, but you've not really been walking out that calling. Um, The last few years, I've really let the circumstances that I've gone through and, and certain people be the ones that were stealing my joy instead of getting my joy from the Lord, because that's where you really get your... Joy from and the joy of the Lord becomes your strength. So, if you know God's given you that word, or you know that you know that you know that where He has you for your vocation, you just need Him to breathe fresh oil on that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to come for, for prayer. Or those who need a word from the Lord for your vocational calling. Um, you're a believer. You love the Lord. Maybe you've been bouncing from job to job. Um, you don't know whether you're supposed to be in the priesthood or whether you're supposed to be out in the marketplace. Um, but you, need, you know something's missing. You know you're not fulfilled. It re, it's a job to you and not a calling. And when it's a job, you'll never be happy. Let me just tell you. You'll never make enough money. Someone's always going to make more money than you, or someone's going to always be more talented, talented than you in your eyes. You'll let those perceptions continue to rob your joy. He's a good father. Amen? He's a good father. Uh, Pastor Barbie talked on Thursday night about just being at that place where she just needed to get before God, and all she came up with was more. Just. God, more show me more, speak to me more. I know that you have more for me in my life. And then finally, the rich ruler, because he was he was wealthy, he went away downcast and sad because the thought of losing his wealth was more potentially more important than losing his soul. He wasn't telling any soul jokes. Um not sure what happened to him that's the easiest solution of all the struggle's real but just let the lord take over your heart romans 10 10 says for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved amen so if that's you come for prayer online pray where you're pray where you're at the Lord wants to minister to us no matter where we're at today. I don't know what category you fall in, um, but it doesn't matter. He does. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and bless your name, Father, for your goodness. Thank you that you are a good, good Father. And thank you, Lord, that you have something special and unique for each of us as special as you've made each person in this room and and watching online you have a calling both spiritually and vocationally lord and all you're waiting for is for us to act that out all you're waiting for is us to come to you and say lord here i am and father if There's those who are really struggling in the area of finance, Lord God. I pray also that they would lay that at your feet today, Lord God, and and embrace your word because in your word is life. You want us to live an abundant life, an enriched life, so not only for our enjoyment, Lord, but for the enjoyment and for the blessing of others. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you, and we give you all the glory.